Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Victoria and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, September 5th, and today we're reading from the big book, chapter, There is a Solution. Today's readers are Michelle, Fran, Carol P., Judy B., Sharon, Anne-Marie, and Louisa. The OA Preamble. Oh, and let me also share with you the reference number to access the recording of yesterday's meeting is 2958. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Anne-Marie to read the 12 steps. Hi, 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Marie. And Marie? I will now call on Louisa to read the 12 traditions. traditions. Good morning, Louisa, compulsive overreaders, Staten Island, New York. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he expressed himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. Six, the OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Least problems of money, prosperity, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever 
non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Pass. Thank you, Louisa. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. When you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the big book on page 20, first full paragraph. I will ask Michelle to begin reading. Good morning, everyone. This is Michelle in Missouri, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You may already have asked yourself why it is that all of us become so very ill from drinking. Doubtless, you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. If you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? And um, so they're addressing the person who's reading this book. Um, They've published this volume in order to um, help others with this problem. These are ex-problem drinkers, people who have recovered and um, sharing the solution. So they're addressing it to the reader and, um, you know, are hopeful that now at this point they're, we've, they've got our attention, they've got the compulsive overeater's attention, that um, now we're curious. Okay, here's the solution. People have recovered from this disease. Um, hopeless, reminding us what, what a hopeless condition is, this is of mind and body. And... Um, hoping now that we're saying, what do I have to do? And um, believe you me, when I got to the point where I realized that this was um, a hopeless condition of my mind, the mental obsession where I couldn't stop thinking about the food and couldn't be kept drawn back to the food, although I'd wake up each morning saying, today's the day, I'm going to get abstinent. And um, the body um, wouldn't be 20 minutes later, I'd be in the food and have that phenomenon of craving. I wanted to know um, what I had to do to get what you had, what the recovered compulsive overeater had, how do you do it. And um, there is a solution. This is the beginning. It's, It's telling me, and you're giving me hope as a recovered compulsive overeater, that there is a solution. This is not a hopeless condition like I believed it to be, that there's an answer for me. There's an answer for everyone who is willing to ask the question, what do I have to do? Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle. Would someone like to comment on what was read? Press star one. 
This is yes, Jeff. go ahead, please. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you. I believe we're losing Janice. I'm not hearing her. Good morning. This is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'd like to comment. Thank you, Leah. Go ahead. Thank you so much. Doubtless you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. Again, you know, this text of ours uses, they don't shy away from that term, recovered. We have to know what the goal is, the aim, and the objective of the program of recovery is to get to this place called recovered. You'll notice that these hundred men and women who pen these pages aren't shy uh, from stating that. You know, recovered, it's not about uh, personal recognition or personal success. This is a result of the program of recovery. It's not a result of personal success. It's not a result of some, uh, you know, intellectual achievement. As a result of implementing these very same steps that are contained in the first 164 pages, we're taking we're taken on a spiritual journey that results in a personality change, a spiritual awakening, a transformation. So the obsession of the mind through that process is expelled. It's expelled. It's driven out. These, these problem drinkers are now ex-problem drinkers. So it says here, do you... Doubtless you are curious to discover how and why in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. It seemed hopeless. It seemed hopeless. We rise out of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. This is about raising the dead. How do you explain that? How do you explain how these alcoholics who were enslaved by alcoholism could rise up out of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body well this is their experience now it isn't a common experience of course but it is their common experience through this program of recovery through the workings of these steps that they have had a transformation because they engaged in this process of the steps they had a spiritual awakening they've been restored to sanity they now have soundness of mind they've been relieved of the obsession to drink they've been freed from the beast they are finally walking this earth after decades of mayhem in my case after decades of mayhem i now walk this planet a free woman how is that possible through the program of recovery that's the message of hope that we offer that's the message of salvation that those of us that are recovered uh shout out on this line this is not about temporary relief this is about being restored to sanity this is not a temporary respite this is about salvation with that i pass thank you Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else care to comment? This is Christy. Good morning, Christy. Go ahead. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Christy, and I am a recovered, recovered compulsive overeater, recovered from a seemingly hopeless condition of mind and body. Um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I don't think you can pick up a newspaper or, you know, be on the Internet or turn on the news without you know, seeing or reading or hearing about the expert opinions that talk about the epidemic of morbid obesity, obesity, I'll say, in, um, in at least our country. And, you know, I remember years ago, years ago, at, you know, and that happens to be my particular uh, case that I suffered from morbid obesity. And, you know, at 340 pounds sitting on the sofa in my living room, reading about how hopeless I was, not just reading and hearing about how hopeless I was. Um, you know, the statistics, I hate to throw statistics out there without a source, but I'll just say it's something like 95% of people who lose weight gain it back. 
you know, that at 340 pounds was not a message of hope for me. And that was also my own experience. You know, I didn't need anyone to tell me that. I knew it. I knew it. I had lived it. And I had lived it over and over again. I had lived that, I, you know, that had played out in my life for decades. And, you know, while there are lots of opinions out there about how to address the physical component of my disease, you know, Christy, just eat less and move your body, you know, exercise more. Um, that, you know, in my, in my case fell on deaf ears. I, I mean, I couldn't apply that. I couldn't apply that any more than trying to learn Latin by the next day. It just, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work. It was a pretty, it was a pretty tall order for me. And you know, there was no sense in even trying. And after reading those statistics and hearing that, most people, you know, why bother? Most people lose weight just gain it back within however many number of years. You know, for me it might have been 15 minutes. Um, so again, lots of expert opinion out there and lots of theories and lots of ideas about how to address the physical aspect of my disease. My problem is, my problem is I suffer from a hopeless condition suffered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. So it wasn't just the way my disease played out in my body, it was my mind. My mind was, you know, crazy, completely crazy. I suffered from an obsession beyond my control. And while other things might work for other people, you know, maybe the threat of type 2 diabetes or, you know, the knees go bad and you're going to have to have a knee replaced, maybe, you know, those statistics scare people enough to get started in something they didn't work for someone like me. What happened for me is that my disease beat me into a state of reasonableness so that when I walked into a meeting, I said, what do I have to do? And the next sentence was, I will do anything. I will do anything. What do I have to do? I will do anything. But it wasn't until my disease beat me into a state of teachable reasonableness that I was able to say that. You know, I spent five years in the rooms of OA saying, what do I have to do? I'll do anything as long as it's not too hard, as long as I can still keep eating, as long as um, I don't have to get up off my couch. Um, you know, I finally got to the point where I absolutely had to, had to, had to, um, you know, get out of the insanity of the disease. And I'm just so grateful that I was presented with a very well-rounded solution so that today I can say to you I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Not only has the physical aspect of my disease been addressed, I've been maintaining a doctor-prescribed weight for nine and a half years, but the mental obsession has been removed from my brain. I don't walk by a candy dish and white-knuckle it the whole way. I don't say, oh, I wish I could have, I wish I could eat what other people are eating. I know that one bite, I know today that one bite is deadly for someone like me. And this program has allowed me to grow away from wanting that first bite in the first place. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Would anyone else care to comment on what was read? This is Janice. Yes, Janice, go ahead. Let's try it again. This is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, I am so grateful that this paragraph, this paragraph is going to start to address what I had had as a huge question. You know, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? You know, it says you may have asked yourself, why is it that all of us became so very ill from drinking? You know, the big book has been teaching me about the allergy of my body and the doctor's opinion. It set me up with this good information that there was something physiologically different about me and this allergy of the body that I had to certain foods, to certain foods that other people didn't seem to have. It explained something to me that before that I had no explanation for. But this paragraph, this paragraph is going to start to tell me that it was not only a disease of my body, but that it was twofold and it was a disease of my mind. It was a disease of my mind. And by the time I got here and someone had cracked open this book and helped me by making this book come alive to me, 
that I began to see that this hopeless condition I thought I had of mind and body was going to have a twofold solution as well, that it was going to address both that mind and that body. And I had already read Bill's story and saw that he had that crazy thinking as well, that his mind had also suffered terribly. And then it sets me up with that great question. If you are an alcoholic, and none of us can decide that for each other, we each have to come to that place ourselves. We each have to come to that place ourselves. But if I believe that, yes, indeed, I am like the people in this book who have recovered, then am I going to be ready to say, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Because I want to get over it. I want to get over it. And the big book's going to go on to answer that very question. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. This is Victoria. I'd like to comment on that passage, too. A hopeless condition of mind and body. I was more inclined to think of it as a hopeless situation because a hopeless condition meant it was mine. The condition was mine. And I was seeing the problem as out there somehow. Um, I couldn't own it as my own problem. And even when I recognized in certain situations, I was hopelessly unable to control my food, that it would run me over like a locomotive. My mind persisted in trying to fix it, in looking for answers. And I progressed to a period where I would feel I had a hopeless condition and then I would see a solution out there that seemed to glitter and I'd grab it and use it and experience another failure until it was clear all that glittered was not gold. I would take back that reality that I was hopeless again and again and try once more. I may have done that because I didn't have a solution. I didn't have a way out. And I may have done it because when something's hopeless, how can there be a way out? And this passage really suggests that there is something miraculous involved here, something outside of rational thinking, rational understanding, way outside of the known or the expected, but something real that was going to take an absolutely hopeless condition and turn it around and transform it into something in many ways unrecognizable from what was there before. And that's what this book is about. It has given me a pathway to that transformation. With that, I'll pass. Would someone else care to comment on this passage? It's Monica. Go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I was looking up the word recovered here in our little big book dictionary. And uh, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body and recovered to regain, to get back, obtain again what one has lost, bring back to a normal condition, find again, improve in health. So to bring back to a normal condition from a hopeless condition of mind and body. So to gain back something that, that we have felt in the following, in the next few words, where it says a hopeless condition of mind and body. So to recover from that, to learn by going through this process that God can give us recovery, that only he can do that, that he can give us back a normal mind. He can give us recovery from the obsession of the mind. And this paragraph here, those words, we have recovered, is so much hope here. You know, we, those 100 recovered people are standing here and they're writing it here. We have recovered. 
We have changed. We have gotten something back. Wow. And and then they say, and if you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? They're giving us all this hope. There is something that can be done. And they're implying here they have a solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else care to comment on what was read? This is Catherine Mashia. Yes, Catherine, go ahead. Yes, this is Catherine. I'm a, a recovery compulsive overeater. And I'm finding that, you know, the, these meetings are a blessing. I need to hear the big book, but I also need to speak it. And as I was listening this morning and we were reading, you may already have asked yourselves, why is it that all of us become so very ill from drinking? And then looking back at the doctor's opinion on page 30, Roman numeral 30, XXX, it says that all of these and many other symptoms have one symptom in common after it describes all the different types of, of alcoholics. It says they cannot start drinking without developing the phenomena of craving. This phenomena, as suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never, by any treatment with which we are familiar, and this is from the doctor's opinion, permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. Then further on in the big book, on page 24, it says that the fact is that most alcoholics, for reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against that first drink. For me, I needed to come out of the denial that I did not have this disease. I need to accept it and surrender to this, the, um, the program. And on that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Fran, would you continue reading, please? This is Paula Mashia. Good morning. This is Fran, compulsive overeater. It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done. Before going into a detailed discussion, it may be well to summarize some points as we see them. How many times people have said to us, I can take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? Lay off the hard stuff. His willpower must be weak. He could stop if he wanted to. She's such a sweet girl. I should think he'd stop for her sake. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. But there he is, all lit up again. And I pass. Thank you, Fran. Would anyone care to read on what was read? I care, care to comment on what was read? Press star one to, to unmute. This is Paula Mashia. Yes, Paula, please go ahead. Well, you know, here we see when on the sentence before it said on the paragraph before that expert opinions to the contrary to see a person recover. Why? Because then it describes all the things we've done never came into recovery. Never came into it for long term. And we've all had the many we can all write our own list here. I can write mine, you can write now. Take it or leave it alone. Oh yeah, sure. Leave it alone for how long? And may I tell you the time got shorter and shorter. There was no leaving it alone because it wouldn't leave me alone. My mind was obsessed. Why can't he? That was the question. But as soon as I said the why, then I judged myself. I judged myself. 
and then it goes on. And, oh, my goodness. I just love this. Oh, such a sweet girl. I should think he'd stop for her sake. You would think he'd stop for the husband's sake. You'd think he'd stop for the child's sake. There is nobody's sake that you will stop for. You can't. You can't. It had nothing to do with want anymore. It took over. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. But there he is all lit up again. I guess we know the story well, but we've lived it no, no longer. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else care to comment on what was read? All right. Uh, Carol P., would you continue reading? Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, A Vision for You. It's Carol, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Now, these are commonplace observations observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. We see these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. And I pass. Thank you, Paula. Would someone care to comment on what was read? This is Janice. Yes, Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you very much. So here we're starting to define the alcoholic. Define the alcoholic. Who is this person and what do they suffer from? You know, it says the purpose of this book is going to answer that question of what we have to do about it. But you can't know what to do about the problem until you've identified the problem. Identify the problem. So they're going ahead here, these recovered alcoholics, and they're going to define who that person is. And I don't know about you, but I could add to the list of things that people said to me, that people said to me, well-meaning, well-intentioned, caring people, family, friends, doctors, who saw that I was in trouble, who saw that physically the manifestation of this disease was showing itself on my body, having medical consequences. And so there are suggestions about what I should do if you were not a compulsive overeater of my type, might work for you, might work for you, but they did not work for me. So it was very reassuring to me to read here in the big book that these were the kinds of things other people were hearing as well. And I'll tell you, you know, at the height of my illness, at my top weight, it was hard for me to walk into those places to get that bakery box, that cellophane bag, that carton, and know that people were looking at me and thinking those things they might not be saying out loud. Why is she buying that kind of food? Looking at my grocery cart, I knew they were judging me, but I couldn't stop myself. I couldn't stop myself. So they're telling us these are commonplace observations that we hear all the time. But behind them are people who do not know, who do not understand what we are going to come to know and understand about this disease, that it is an illness and that it has these aspects to it, that not only does it affect me physically when I pick up that bite of those foods that trigger that allergy, that there is a coupled with a mental obsession that I cannot stop, that I cannot stop myself from starting again. You know, and so these reactions refer to people who are very different from me, very different from me. Those people who might be helped by a doctor's advice. Those people that might say, oh, I see what my problem is here. Now I'm going to do it differently. That was not me because I suffered from this illness of compulsive overeating. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. I'd like to share briefly on this passage. It's mine. One of the... Uh, I'll come back to you, Monica. One of the things that in recovery I found challenging at times was the lack of understanding by family members and others close to me of my disease. Once I had just 
begun to start figuring it out. Um, it, it, it was easy to forget that I had been baffled by my own disease while I was living it for many, many decades. And yet these people in my life, family members and friends who had not lived my disease, who did not have the benefit of the fellowship, the big book-based solution that was given to me, still remain baffled and held many of the pre-misconceptions that the paragraph before identifies. And it allowed me to remember that the only person who really needs to understand the exact nature of my disease is me and that it's perhaps unfair on my part to expect people who haven't even lived the disease to understand it as I do when I couldn't myself as I was living it for all of those decades. And it's exciting to be living in an age when research increasingly through brain imaging and other new technologies is identifying patterns that parallel other addictions, brain patterns in the use of sugar, complex carbohydrate, binge eating, excessive amounts of food. So we live in an age where the kind of knowledge that and understanding the big book refers to here is really coming to fruition. At least it's a strong beginning. I'll pass. Anyone else care to comment on this, what was read? It's Monica. Yes, Monica. Go ahead, please. Thank you, Victoria. And um, I want to say ditto, ditto to what Janice and you just said. Um, back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. We see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. And I, want, and I looked up the word ignorance here. Back of them is a world of ignorance, a lack of knowledge, awareness. You know, ignorance is sort of, the word ignorance itself sort of has a, a negative um, connotation to it. But here it's saying a lack of knowledge, a lack of awareness. So they don't understand that we have reactions that are very different from them. We are the abnormals. They are the normals. And we have these abnormal reactions. You know, when they eat um, something, um, they may take a few bites and they've had enough. They're full. But for us, I might take a few bites of that same food and I want more and more and more and more and I will never be satisfied. And this is an abnormal reaction that I have that somehow is different in me. And there is no way, no how, that anybody can understand this if they don't have this problem. And it's and and um and that's why a lot of them, you know, we hear these comments from these people. They don't understand. They will not be ever be able to understand. And it is not our job to try to make them understand because they cannot and will not be able to. Our job is to learn about ourselves and this, and there is a solution, and there is something we can do to change this. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else care to comment on what was read? This, this is Leah. Yes, Leah, go ahead, please. Thank you so much. Now these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. And certainly you and I are gathered here as compulsive overeaters, and certainly you know there are commonplace observations on compulsive overeaters, which we hear all the time. You know, uh, they're weak, undisciplined, uh, you know, no willpower, spineless, you know, a little stupid, lack of moral character, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and push yourself away from the table. And certainly, um, you know, compulsive overeaters who crawl their way into OA rooms have internalized those messages. And so the compulsive overeater, like the alcoholic, sees her compulsive overeating in moral terms, that her inability to to limit these 
binges or to stop binging entirely is, is seen as a shortcoming. It's seen as uh, a, a lack of moral character, a lack of ability to, um, you know, to, you know, to pull themselves together, to pull themselves together. So that compulsive overeater, like the alcoholic, suffers in silence. And all the while suffering in silence, the compulsive overeater and the alcoholic, they try to wrest more and more control of the uncontrollable. That's exactly what happens. And it just sets the stage for yet more failure and more self-loathing and more self-loathing. So, you know, it's so important to remember, it says here, we see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. Exactly, as been stated, we are bodily and mentally different. I mean, the doctor's opinion, which is found in the front of the book, is to help challenge those commonplace observations by offering the medical portrait of our problem. Yes, there is something called an allergy of the body. Yes, when we ingest certain substances, and for the alcoholic, it's very simple. He's allergic to one ingredient, and that's alcohol. For us, it's a little bit more complicated. But when we ingest those substances, it triggers a phenomenon of craving. And instead of satisfying us, those bites only intensify those cravings. So for sure, we're, we're set up bodily, and that's just the way it is. And also, you know, it's virtually impossible to accept a problem that you're ashamed of. So if a compulsive overeater walks around with her head hang, hung low because she's ashamed of compulsive overeating, then she hasn't gotten the aspect yet that this is a disease. This is a disease. That phenomenon of craving the allergy of the body is a physical component to our disease. It is the way we're wired. It is an illness. It's not about lack of moral character. It's not about lack of willpower. It's not about being spineless or stupid or irresponsible or weak. This is an illness of mind and body. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Judy B., would you continue to read, please? Good morning. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. Then we have a certain type of hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. Excuse me. It may, <clears throat> it may cause him to die a few years before his time. <clears throat> if a sufficiently strong reaction, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or the warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate, moderate, although he may find it difficult and troublesome and may even need medical attention. So here we're hearing about um, the person who can uh, give give it up if uh, there's a good reason, or a person who may struggle with that, but eventually they're able to do that. They're able to give it up uh, if they're given if they're given um, the motive to do that, the the reason. And um, in the paragraph before that, talking about the world of ignorance and misunderstanding. It's just so hard uh, for others who haven't experienced this disease to understand that there are other people that uh, cannot do that. And uh, this book, you know, talks about that, and um, and we'll read more about that kind of person. But um, it's sometimes in program early. It's it's difficult to to be out there in the real world with those people who can take it or leave it. And, um, you know, I know that I thought in the beginning I could take it or leave it, but I showed over and over that that wasn't possible. I just, I couldn't do that. As hard as I would try, as many things as I would try, as many reasons uh, that I was given, uh, that it would, you know, that I was injuring my health, I was I was destroying myself, I... I was not able to um, react the way moderate moderate drinkers do. Uh, and with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Judy. Would anyone care to share on what was read? Paula, may I share? Um, hearing several people at once, I heard Paula. Why don't you go ahead, and then I'll ask who was next. Okay, sure. Thank you. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive O'Rita. It says moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reasons for it. They can take it a legal long. Like, what kind of craziness is that? You can take it or leave it alone. And you know I would listen. And you know, because you know that there's still something on the table. They're not thinking about it. They're like just looking at you, talking to you. You know, my eyes would go up to them, but no, right back again. But before my eyes went my mind. Like, I really didn't even care what they were saying. But I could see what they were They were interested in what they were saying. But that part, they can take it or leave it alone. And they would say things like, well, I know that if I have um, this amount of sugar, my legs cramp up, you know, so I don't have it. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, yeah, but if you take like Benadryl and two aspirins, then you'd be able to have it. Yeah. Injure you? And then it goes on. And I just love this. Gradually impair. This is the next drinker. A certain type of hard drinker. Impair him, not just physically. Look at him physically and mentally. The thinking that I just said about that it's injuring you, take this, then you'll be able to take it. Is not the injury still going on? Are the veins still not in rebellion? It may cause him to die a few years before his time. I don't want to give up one day. But in the disease, for the sake of what the disease is, you will. Not one day today will I give up. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And who was next? I couldn't quite make out your name. Carolyn. Carolyn, please go ahead. Hi, I'm Carolyn, compulsive overeater, and I know it recovered today, one day at a time. I um, see, for years, I could never grasp this. I couldn't understand what it was about this that um, wasn't appealing to me, that I couldn't get this. I couldn't understand why I had to totally keep away. And the answer came to me once I actually got into the big book and the steps and doing the studying. It dawned on me that if you're not working the program, it's not going to happen. You're going to be that person that's never going to get it because you're not doing it. And that was it for me. That was for me. I had to look and say, wow, this is the answer for me. This is the true answer. And I remember looking at other people with other addictions saying, I just don't understand why they can't just put it down. You know, they've got so much going for them. But yet I wouldn't look at myself and say that about the food. How amazing was that to me when I finally started studying in the big book and seeing that it's the same for me. And who am I to judge? Who am I to judge anybody in what they're doing what their addiction might be, and who am I to sit there in judgment of them because I know they sat there in judgment of me. And that's okay today. Today I don't need to worry about who's judging me. I just need to be aware that I have to work my program to the best of my ability one day at a time. I'm just new to recovery, and it's um, it's been an interesting place to be already, you know, I, I'm seeing now that not everybody in the same program as I gets it the same way I do, just like it took me 24 years, it took me 24 years, and you know what, sometimes it takes them just as long or longer, and that's okay, it's not for me to sit and judge them, I just have to own up to my side of the street, no matter how difficult that may be, seeing them still doing what they're doing and not willing to accept, and that's okay. I'm not here to take anybody's inventory, just my own. I need to live this program one day at a time, and I only need to live it with me and look at me and worry about me and not worry about others and what others are doing or not doing. That's not where I am. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. Is there someone else who'd like to comment on what was read? It's Monica. 
Yes, Monica, go ahead. Thank you, Victoria. That's Monica again, recovered compulsive overeater. It's interesting here, the big book is giving us um, different um, types of drinkers. Here in the first little paragraph, they talk about the moderate drinker. And then they talk about, in the next paragraph, the hard drinker. And we can relate this to uh, to people with food. You know, you have your, your moderate eaters. You know, every now and then they might, you know, overdo uh, and... Um, uh, maybe binge on a on a, a food or one meal, and then that's it. They've had their fill, you know. And then there's the next type, the hard drinker, you know, the hard eater. There might be those two that um, um, overeat, you know, maybe a little overweight. But if their doctor says, hey, you know, you need to lose some weight here. This is, you know, causing problems. He, they're able to do it. And so I think it's interesting that they tell us here that, you know, there's different levels here and that we're not all the same. And there is definitely a difference between the real alcoholic, the real compulsive overeater, and other people. And I think it's also, to take it one little step further, that in our rooms, not everyone who comes into our rooms are real compulsive overeaters. And I think it's something that we should just keep, you know, in the back of our minds. And, of course, we have to individually come to that realization that we are real compulsive overeaters. We do have an illness, an allergy of the body and, a, and the phenomenon of the mind that makes us different, that we cannot stop. Even though we may want to, we cannot do it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Sharon, uh, please read the vision for you. Good morning. This is Sharon, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater and very grateful this morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Amen.